Well, good morning. Good to see you. Good to have. Good to be back. I'm glad to be back. Um, boy, we had a great week uh, last week. Um, my family and I went to uh, South Haven and uh, spent the week there, and it was nice. And so, missed you all. I really did. Uh, prayed for you. Uh, but it's great to be back here with you. So uh, Juan kicked off our, our, our new series that we call Request Prayer, Request Prayer. And so uh, normally, you know, we, you know, you hear people say, you know, I got a prayer request, a prayer request. But the premise here is that, uh, and what Juan, you know, kicked off with is this idea that, that prayer is our navigation. Prayer is what keeps us on the right track. Prayer is what helps us sort of, you know, not get off, you know, the, the trail, not get off the, the road that, that God wants us to, to stay on. That's what prayer does. Prayer helps us stay where we're supposed to stay, not veer off, not, and, and oftentimes when we find ourselves, uh, from a spiritual standpoint, find ourselves off track, it's oftentimes because we just haven't prayed in a while. We haven't made a, that connection, that, that relationship, that communication uh, with the Lord. That's usually the, the, the issue for, for many of us. And so, so we want to look at what Jesus taught about prayer. We want to look at what did, he, what did he give us? What did he help us with? And uh, so that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And so um, if, if you brought a Bible, we're going to be uh, Luke chapter number 11. If you brought a Bible, there's a Bible in, maybe in the seat around you. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, you can have that Bible in the seat around you. You can have that. We're also going to be having the scriptures up on the screen. So things that I pray for, and these are the things that probably you pray for. Um, things that I pray for, my family. Uh, my friends, I pray for, for you, you know, I pray for, you know, that health and, you know, material provisions, I pray for, you know, spiritual maturity, spiritual growth for you and for myself. Uh, my own problems, I pray, you know, for my own problems, my own shortcomings, my own sins, I ask for forgiveness, so hopefully that's what you do as well, you have, we all have our own shortcomings, our own issues, our own problems, our own challenges. Um, I pray for people that are affected, maybe by the natural disaster, you know, just, just in light of, you know, current circumstances, you know, these, these, this team, the soccer team in Thailand, you know, praying for them. And as we speak, they're, they're, pulling, they're getting these kids out of the, this cave right now as we speak. And so we're praying that they're, they all come out um, alive and safe and sound. And, and that's what we're praying for. We pray for those that are affected by senseless acts of evil, which is prevalent in our culture today, right? I mean, it's just every time we turn on the news, we see about some sort of of senseless act that happens as a result of evil um, on people. And so we pray for those people. We pray for healing. We pray for comfort. We pray that it's not in vain that God somehow takes this senseless act and uses it or this natural disaster and uses it. I pray for, and you probably do, your, your future stability. Uh, you pray for that, your future stability. You, my wife, I pray for my wife and I and our future stability. Uh, I pray for my kids and their future stability. These are the things I pray for. I also pray for parking spots near the building that I want to get to. 
You don't pray for these things? I do. I pray for those things. Um, I, vo- I pray that I avoid get caught speeding when I'm driving down the road. I pray for those things. I pray for my sports team. My sports team gets a lot of prayers uh, to God that they win that game. I pray for shorter drive-through lines at Tim Hortons. Anybody else pray for shorter drive-through lines as you're getting into there? No? No? I pray, especially when I was on vacation, I prayed that school would start sooner. Go back to school. No, if you're a teacher, I'm sorry. I'm, this is what I'm praying for right now. I, it, we were in Ikea. I had to return something at Ikea yesterday on a Saturday. I went to Ikea on a Saturday. That was a good idea, right? Had to return something at Ikea. When we got to Ikea, I prayed. There was only one person working the return booth or whatever it was. I was praying. My, my Two of my kids with me. I just gave them money to go and get an icy and, uh, just so that they would stop bothering me. And so, um, you don't do this? Okay, all right. I'm just, these are things I do. Um, so I was praying that there would be another person that would just help the one person in the return booth. And guess what? Somebody else started, it was awesome. I pray, I'm like, God, just to give like one more person so that we can speed this up and it happened. So God answers my prayers and, uh, and I hope he hopefully answers yours as well. No, so these are the things that we pray for, right? These are things that you pray. You may pray specific things, different things, and these are all good things. These are all great things to pray for. These are all fine things. God is not annoyed that you're praying for another person, you know, to work, you know, the return section in Ikea, you know. God's not annoyed that you're praying for the fact that you want a certain team to win. God is not annoyed at the fact that you're praying for a family member or a friend or whatever the circumstances may be. God is not annoyed by that. He's not, you know, you know, he's not upset with you. He's like, okay, just stop asking for everything, you know, like we normally do as parents with our kids. Like, just stop asking, you know, stop asking, stop asking. God is not like that. He's not like that in that way. We know that Jesus prayed. We know that, as a matter of fact, the writers who wrote about the story in the life of Jesus, specifically the four main gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all wrote specifically about how Jesus would go and pray. It says in Matthew 14, 23, it says, And after he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Um, Mark, Mark says this in Mark 1, 35. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Luke says this, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. I mean, this is just three examples of, of probably a dozen more examples of the writers telling us how often Jesus would go and pray. How often Jesus would go and pray. Now, Jesus prayed a lot, a lot. And even the writers, the gospel writers, they would even tell us how much. I mean, Jesus prayed a lot. They, they, he just said, man, he, he was constantly going and praying. He was constantly going and praying. These are some of the things that Jesus prayed for. Jesus prayed for his followers' protection. His followers' protection. Not just you know, protection from people or protection from circumstances. But specifically, Jesus prayed for the protection from temptation. That he prayed that his followers, not only his disciples, but he even prays in John 17. He even prays for us. 
He even, he even in his prayer is mentioning us even today, 2,000 some years later. He says, I just want to keep them. I just want them to be protected. I just want them to stay away from, from temptation and to stay away from sin and, and to be protected from what he calls the evil one. He prayed for the followers' protection. Uh, he prayed for forgiveness for his persecutors. He prayed, he literally prayed that those who, you know, crucified him, those who put him, were responsible for putting him on the cross, he literally prayed and said, Father, forgive them. I mean, talk about, when we were, if you were here a few weeks ago, you know, we talked about that kind of forgiveness. We talked about the kind of forgiveness that involves, you know, even those that have hurt us, even those that have, that have wronged us, even, though, even for those who have mistreated us. He talks about forgiving them. How many times? Well, Jesus says, every time. Every time. You forgive them every time. How many, how many rounds do we go? Every time, every time. Well, well, Jesus, that's what Jesus did. Jesus taught this because he demonstrated this. So he prayed for forgiveness for his persecutors. He also prayed for his father's providential will. His father's providential will. What was more important, and we're going to talk extensively about this next week. But what, he, what, he, what was more of a priority for Jesus was not his own will, not his own agenda, not what he thought was best for him, but what was, what was in priority for Jesus was his father's providential will. It was the will of the father. Jesus would commonly say, I don't do anything unless it's directed and led by my father. He prayed, God, what is your will? Father, what is your providential will? He also prayed for his father, prayed to the Father for faithful provisions, for faithful provisions. So it's okay to pray for provisions. It's okay, but Jesus, and we talked about this a few weeks ago as well. Jesus prayed for things that day, for that day. You know, even even in the in the in the in the prayer that Juan shared last week, in, in the Lord's prayer that Juan shared last week, give us this day, right? Give us this day our daily bread. That was the priority of Jesus. It wasn't not for you know, providential or, or excuse me, faithful provisions for the future, for tomorrow. Because remember, we, if you were here a few weeks ago, maybe it was longer now, but when we talked about worry, you know, don't worry, you know, don't borrow from tomorrow, you know, don't borrow worry from tomorrow. Remember this? Don't borrow worry from tomorrow and smuggle trouble into today. Because you wrote that down somewhere, I'm pretty sure. Don't borrow worry from tomorrow and smuggle trouble into today. That's what Jesus said, don't do that. But Jesus was always grateful. This is so important. Jesus was always grateful for his father's faithful provisions for that day. He said, this day, this day, God, I'm grateful. Whatever I have today, I'm grateful for. Whatever I have today, I'm good with. Whatever you provided for me today, I know that you can use it today. Even if it was only five loaves and two fish is all he had. But he said, God, Father, and he prayed, Father, thank you for this. Even though there was 5,000 people that needed to be fed, 
Jesus said, Father, thank you for this. He didn't pray, God, I need more than this. God, I don't know if this is gonna be enough. God, I don't know how I'm gonna be able to meet the needs with if all I have is this. That's not what Jesus prayed. Jesus was grateful for what he had. And he knew that God would faithfully provide with what he had. You hear me? These were things that Jesus prayed for. Followers' protection, forgiveness for his persecutors, Father's providential will, and his Father's faithful provisions. These were the things that Jesus prayed for. So when Jesus, Luke is writing the account now of of the, what we now know as the Lord's Prayer, right? We all know the Lord's Prayer. Probably many of you could recite the Lord's Prayer, you know, by memory, no big deal. So Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer begins this way. Now, this is what really jumped out at me. Here's what it says. And it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, so here it is again, Jesus is praying again, you know, this is what he did. As he, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's what you're thinking, and this is what I was thinking. Didn't they already know how to pray? Didn't they already know how to pray? I mean, here are these guys are, you know, grown men. They're Jewish young men who grew up going to, for, our, for lack of a better term, private schools, you know, where religious private schooling, these guys had incredible prayer habits. I mean, it was required for them, for all Jews, according to the Torah, that they had to pray three times a day. That they had to stop what they were doing. It didn't matter what they were in the middle of. It didn't matter where they were. They had to stop what they were doing and pray in the morning time, in the afternoon, and at nightfall. All, all three of them had to pray. Those, all of them had to pray at that time. Now, can I tell you a secret? These are better habits than me. These are better prayer habits than me. I mean, spending, spending carving out time in the morning and, then, and also carving out time in the afternoon, but then also carving out time in the evening. I mean, talk about habits that these guys had and they prayed every single day, three times a day, as they grew up. As a matter of fact, we even have a count of these guys, even after they didn't even have to go to the temple, after Jesus rose, and after the church began, and they weren't required to go to the temple and pray, which many of them did, you know, they often did. It even tells us that even when they weren't required to go to the temple, they still went to the temple every single day every single day it's hard for you to show up once a week but to go to church every 
single day and carve out every single day to go and to pray. But then they're watching Jesus pray. And one of the disciples, we don't know who it is, but one of the disciples asked the question that they probably were all thinking, and that's this. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Is it possible that I might be praying wrong? And one of the disciples was so bold to say, Lord, I see that you go and pray all the time and it seems like it's effective. It seems like it works. It seems like it's, you know, God is doing something in your life supernatural and amazing and incredible. And Lord, will you teach us how to pray? I mean, after all the times that they had in their life to pray, don't you think that they would know how to pray? What do you think? And so they're going, Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, here's what they didn't ask. And I don't know, maybe they connected the dots. Maybe they already did. But here's what they didn't ask. Hey, Jesus, hey, will you teach us how to teach like you teach? Like you seem to really teach with, you know, passion and inspiration and enthusiasm and authority. And really people are really drawn to that. Will you Will you teach me how to teach like you teach? They didn't ask that. Hey, Jesus, boy, you've done some pretty incredible miracles. You've done some pretty amazing things. You've like healed people. You would have thought that one of the disciples would have been so bold to say, hey, Jesus, will you teach me how to do that? Will you teach me how to do a miracle or do, you know, heal people? Or, or will you teach me how to do that? But they never asked that. What they asked was, Lord, will you teach me how to pray? Just as John, who's John? John the Baptist? Just as John the Baptist also taught his disciples. Because here's what they probably knew, and here's what they knew Jesus would say. How is it that you're able to do amazing things? How is it that you're able to teach with authority? How is it that you're to, you're to, you're to captivate audiences? How is it that you're able to you know, feed thousands of people? How is it that you're able to heal people? How is it that you're able to you know, draw the masses into pointing them to the Father in heaven? How is it that you're able to do that? And here's what they probably knew that he would say. He would say, how I'm able to do that? He would say, pray. That's what he would say. That maybe, maybe they connected the dots for Jesus' ability to do the extraordinary, Jesus' ability to do things that they couldn't do, and they didn't ask, hey, how do you teach like you teach, or how do you preach like you preach, or how do you do the things that you do, or how do you get God to do incredible things in and through you? And you know what he would say? He would say to you and to me today, pray. That's what he would say. He would say pray. So pray. Because that's 
What he knew, what they knew, was the power source for him was to pray. That was what gave Jesus the, the source of power to be able to do the extraordinary. Now, I don't expect any of us to be able to heal people the way that Jesus did or, or even teach the way that Jesus did. But listen, that, but God can do extraordinary things in and through you that you not, thought you would never be able to do on your own. You know how you're able to do that? Through prayer. I, I was uh, a couple adventure weeks ago uh, it was a video game that we used as a theme. The video game was called Minecraft. And so I, one, of the, one of the days that we had the kids there, I asked the kids, I said, listen, what do you need? What's the most important thing that you need for the ability to play the game Minecraft? This was the question that I asked the kids. And so they started firing things out at me, you know, things like, well, you need, you know, this item or that item on the game. And I said, nope, 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 you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And I, they said, well, and then they started to catch on a little bit. They were like, well, I think you probably need the game console. I said, yeah, yeah, you're getting closer, but that's not the answer that I'm looking for. No, what, it is, what is it that you really need to have in order for you to play the game? And so I said, well, it's not the game console. They said, well, it must be the remote. You know, you probably need the remote. And I said, no, no, you need the remote, but that's not the most important thing. Well, they said, well, and one of the kids jumped up and said, well, you need the game. You need the game. And I said, yeah, you need the game, but that's not the most important thing. You know, yeah, you got to have the game. You got to have the, you know, the console. You got to have the remote, you know, and for this, you got to have the sensor. If you're going to play Mario Kart, you got to have the sensor for your Wii, you know, and you got to have the, the cords to plug it into the TV, but that's not the most important thing. And they were like at a loss. They're going, well, you got the root council, you got the remote, you got the cords to plug it into the, you know, the TV, you got you know, the, the sensor, you got, uh, what is it that you need? And I said, guys, you need the power cord. And they were like, oh, you, it won't ever work. It won't ever work unless it's plugged into the power source. You can have the remote, you can have the game itself, you can have the console, you can have all the things that connect it to the TV, but unless you have the power source, it will never work the way you want it to work. It will never effectively work. And this is the, the teaching, this is the principle that Jesus is trying to teach us here. If you want it to work, if you want things to work best in your life, if you want to move from ordinary to extraordinary, if you want to see God in a greater level, in a greater you know, place in your life where you're going, wow, 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 I just, I'm just getting, I'm just seeing God work in my life in amazing ways. It's incredible what God is doing in my life. I'm telling you, here's what you need to do. You need to pray. You say, why? Because prayer is the power source. Without it, we're not as effective. Without it, we just don't get to experience God the way that we could potentially experience God in our life. And all of us need that, don't we? Come on, are you with me? We all need God in our life. We all need to experience God. And, and, and instead of asking them, instead of Jesus, them asking Jesus, listen, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you make this work? How do you? They said, Lord, Will you just teach us to pray? Because it seems to be that that's the source 
of where the power comes from. Lord, teach us to pray. So then he teaches them, and, and Juan talked a little bit about this last week, and, and, and he says in the next verse, in verse 2, he says this, and he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Now, for us, this is probably not a foreign concept, but for the disciples, it was. For the disciples to think that the person that they were going to go and pray to, that God Almighty that they were going to go and pray to, the sovereign Lord that they were going to go and pray to, that they could call him Father was radical for them. It was radical for them. It may not be radical for you, but it was radical for them. And he starts out saying, listen, when you go and pray, you need to know that you're stepping into the presence of a perfect heavenly Father. Now, here's the reality of this. The reality of this is this. You may have had a crummy father. You may have had a decent father. You may have had a good father. But here's the common denominator between a crummy father, a decent father, and a good father. Here's the common denominator. They all fall short of a perfect heavenly father. I'll say it this way. I am, I'm, just a, I'm not bragging, but it's true. I'm a good father. I'm a good father. I, I took my kids, you know, away for a week and they did, we ate ice cream like almost every night. I, now you may not think that I'm a good father, but they think I'm a good father because of that. And we did some fun things, you know, I'm a good father. But listen, when my kids pray. I don't want my kids to think about me when they're addressing their heavenly father. Because even though I'm a good father and I do good things for my kids, I fall way short of how good of a father that we have in heaven. That we have that access to a God and it's a personal relationship. That's what it means when, he, when Jesus said, when you pray, I want you to say father. Because what Jesus meant was father equals personal relationship. That you have a personal relationship with a father who loves you. Jesus said it this way. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter number seven and verse number nine. Or what man is there among you? Who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? There's no father in here that would do that for their kids. I know most of the fathers in this room, none of you would do that for your kids. Who would give him a stone if their son asks for a loaf? Or, verse 10, or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? This is Jesus talking. He's like, you wouldn't do that to your kids. If they asked for you know, a loaf, you wouldn't give them a stone. If they asked for a fish to eat, you wouldn't give them a snake to eat. He says, verse 11, if you then, being evil, boy, that was a strong statement. If you, even though you're willing to do good things for your kids, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more. How much more 
Will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? I mean, this is what Jesus said. Listen, you're, you may be, an, I don't want my kids, when they pray, I don't want my kids to see me because that is just, they're settling, they're falling short of how much better a heavenly father is. And so when you go in and pray, I hope whether you had a crummy father, decent father, or a good father, I hope that you don't see his image anywhere because your heavenly father is rare air. Your heavenly father is set apart. Your heavenly father is Way better. Way better than your earthly father ever, ever will be. So when you pray, Jesus says, I want you to, I want you to go in there and I want you to think about how good your heavenly father is because he is a good, good father. That's what he is. That's what he is. So, and then he says this. Father, hallowed, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, what does that word hallowed mean? And we, when we, you know the Lord's Prayer, and so you pray that, hallowed be your name. And I, maybe you've never thought about it, or maybe you've never asked, maybe you did, look it up. Hallowed, it means holy. It means holy. It means, also means to be set apart. So when Jesus is saying, wait, listen, when you go and pray, why should you pray? Because prayer is your power source. Prayer is your power source. To do extraordinary, to move from ordinary to extraordinary, prayer is your power source. But when you go in and pray, I want you to see that you, you can have a personal relationship with a father, that you can communicate with a perfect heavenly father who is interested in, in your needs and cares. He's interested in what you're dealing with. He's interested in what's on your heart. He's interested in what you're going through. He's interested. And by the way, by the way, he already knows what you need. Jesus wanted to emphasize that too. He already knows what you need. He just wants to have communication. Generally, I already know what my kids need. But I just want to have communication with them. I want to have that relationship with them. That's what prayer is when it comes. But he says, listen, but, but when you go in, you need to understand this. When you pray, you need to know that holy is his name, that he is set apart, that you're going into rare air, that you're going into a time with someone, though he's your father, he's holy and should be revered. He should be revered. He's not the big guy. He's not... The man upstairs, Jesus is not your homeboy. This is a t-shirt. He's holy. He's holy. And when we go and we pray, that's the mindset he wants us to go in. He says, I want you to go in. First, understand he's your perfect heavenly father. He wants relationship with you, but he's holy. Holy is his 
name. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean to us? Holy is his name. Well, I think that there's a story in Exodus that, that demonstrates what that means for us when we pray. Hallowed, holy is your name. What does that mean for us? Well, the second time Moses went to go up to Mount Sinai and get the Ten Commandments from God because Moses got angry and he broke the first set of Ten Commandments. So Moses had to go meet God again up on Mount Sinai and receive the second uh, Ten Commandments, or the Ten Commandments again, rewritten on tablets. So Moses meets God. This is found in Exodus 34. Moses has communication with God because they have that personal relationship. God tells Moses, I want you to go up to Mount Sinai. I'm going to meet you there. And so that's what Moses does. Moses says that early in the morning, Moses climbed Mount Sinai, stood out into the, on a cliff of a rock, and it tells us that God starts coming through. God starts passing by. And it says this in Exodus 34. It says this this way. It says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. So here's Moses. He's essentially now, he's there on the mountain. He's now praying and he's calling on the name of the Lord. Verse six, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God. Now, now God is passing by. Moses is on the mountain. Moses is praying He's calling on the name of the Lord. God ascends. God passes now by. And as he's passing by, he's saying, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Verse 7. Who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, transgressions, and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. There will be justice one day, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. Then look what happens, verse 8. Moses made haste to bow low toward the earth and worshiped. Now, this is Moses calling on the name of the Lord. And what, when he called on the name of the Lord, he not only heard the names of the Lord, but he also heard, because the names of the Lord are also the characteristics of our Lord. And so when Jesus taught us to pray, he says, I want you to pray in this way. First, I want you to say, Father, hallowed be your name. And his name are his characteristics. And his characteristics are simply this. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He is kind. He is truthful. He is forgiving. And he will bring justice. That's who he is. So when you say, I'm going to go and pray... What Jesus wants you to do is this. Jesus wants you to recognize him as a set-apart, rare air, excluded father, unlike any earthly father. But he also wants you to recognize that hallowed is his name. And who he, who he is, is he's compassionate, gracious, kind, loving, 
truthful, forgiving, merciful, on and on and on and on. And when Moses heard who God is, and he recognized that holy is his name, his response was, make haste to bow low. And this is what I think when we go and pray, this ought to be, I think, our posture. This ought to be our response. Make haste, which means quickly, bow low, get down. He's holy. You're on holy ground. You're in the throne room of the Almighty, the maker, creator, sustainer of all things, the one who put breath in your lungs, the one who became flesh and dwelt among us, who took the penalty of sin for us and forgave us for all of our sins. You are, ma'am, sir, standing on holy ground. So make haste and bow low for he is holy. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. And so when you pray, the psalmist help us with this. Now, I could give you I could give you 25 verses that say the same thing. I'm only going to give you two, but I want to encourage you to look them all up yourself, Google it, Bible Gateway search it. You version Bible app, look it up yourself. But let me give you two verses, two verses, two verses on, in Psalm, okay? Here's what it says about the name of the Lord. How holy is the name of the Lord. Psalm 34, sing praise to the Lord, you his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. Another one, Psalm 97, 12. Be glad in the Lord, you righteous ones, and give thanks to his holy name. I could give you 20 more that say the same thing. And if you look it up, fact check me, you'll see it. Give thanks to his holy name. Give thanks to his holy name. Give thanks to his holy name. Why do we give thanks? Well, because he's compassionate. Well, because he's gracious, because he's merciful, because he's kind, because he's truthful, because he's forgiving. Because he's holy. You and I, when we pray, where we start is, Father, unlike any other father, holy is your name. I'm in rare air in your holiness. And while I'm here, I'm only gonna do is just give thanks for who you are and what you've done. You know what Mary prayed when she, when she heard the news of Jesus? You know, what, you know what Mary said? She said this, for you have done good things for me. And then, then what she says after that is, holy is your name. You know what your prayer should be and my prayer should be when we walk into a prayer time is this. Father, unlike any other, you're holy. That's who you are. And I thank you 
for all the great things you've done for me. I thank you. So, what do we do with this? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you those three verses that I started the sermon off with again. And I'm going to show you the common denominator between all three, other than the fact that he prayed. So the first three verses, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I'm going to show you, yes, he prayed. And, he, and there was a dozen other verses to show that he prayed. But let me show you another common denominator in all of these verses. Look at what it says in Matthew, back again, Matthew 14, 23. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And it was evening, he was there alone. Another Mark 1. In the, early, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place. And he was praying there. Luke says this, but the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathered. Now, here, here's, here's the point that I want to give here, here. After every time, after every time Jesus, you see Jesus praying, it was always before Jesus did something huge. It was always before Jesus did something miraculous. It was always before Jesus spent a lot of time with large crowds of people. And after news went about spreading even farther, the large crowds were gathered to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus did that commonly. Jesus spent a lot of time with a lot, lot of people. And, and after he did that, he would go and pray. And then it says in verse 16, but Jesus himself, Jesus by himself, would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. You know why? Here's why. Because our power source of strength is when we slip away to pray. That was what it was for Jesus. That the power source for Jesus was when he slipped away to pray. So here's the challenge, okay? Here's the challenge. So today is July 8th, right? Hopefully, okay. July 8th, don't fact check me on that because I'm saying it is. July 8th, 7, 8, okay? 7 plus 8, I got out my phone calculator, added it up, came up with 15, okay? 15. I would like us to do, come on, come on. Are you guys with this or not? I, I want you guys to be with this. This is gonna be good. This is gonna be good. I'm really, I, I really believe this is the source, the power source for all of us. This is a 15 for 15 challenge, okay? 15 for 15 challenge, which means this. For 15 minutes, for 15 days, 15 minutes for 15 days. I want you to do this. I want you to go find a place. It doesn't have to be three times a day. It can be one, one time a day. One time a day for 15 days. I want you to spend 15 minutes. Some of you already do this. Some of you are checked out because you already do this. But those of you that aren't, I just want you to know, this is the source of your strength. This is when you feel like you're on empty. This is when you feel worn down. This is when you think that you don't have any more to give. This is especially for those of you that are introverts like me, you know, that need to just, you spend some time with people and you just need to go take a nap for 10 hours. Like that's who what I am. But this is, I'm telling you, this is what Jesus says is the source of our strength. 
This is the power. This is when you are worn down, fatigued, can't do it anymore. This is, this is for you. You need to do this. 15 for 15. 15 minutes a day for 15 days. And for seven minutes, give thanks for who he is and what he's done. Just take the first seven minutes and I want you to just give thanks for who he is and what he's done for you. Come on, you can give seven minutes a day to telling God you are good. You are good. You've been good to me. You've been good to me in this area or that area or this situation or that circumstance. You've been good to me. It's not thinking about, well, God, and this is normally where our prayers go. God, I need this need met down the road. God, I need this circumstance dealt with down the road. God, I need this issue taken care of down the road. Nope, it's being grateful in the moment for who God is and what God has done for you. Take seven minutes and tell him that. 15 minutes for 15 days. And then the other eight minutes, just listen to your heavenly father because you know what? To your conscience, to your heart, from his spirit to your spirit, you know what he has? You know what he wants? He just wants to talk to you. You're going to hear what the Bible calls a still, small voice. And in that time of just, and you say, why eight minutes? Why? Because I mean, we, normally we talk too much. Normally the problem is when we go to God, we spill our guts, spill our heart, and God's, he's fine with it, but I'm just, he also wants to talk to you. Why? Because it's a relationship. Just like any relationship. If you do all the talking, they're not gonna wanna be in a relationship. But that, God is, in, is different in that way. God doesn't say the way that we just say, ah, oh, I don't, you, they talk too much. They do all the talking. I don't, I don't know. Listen, God just wants you to listen. He wants you to listen. He wants you to just be still and let Him just flood you with his compassion and his love and his grace and his kindness and his truth. And truth sometimes isn't always easy to hear either. And you may not hear things that you want to hear, but here's what you need to know. You have a perfect heavenly father who has no other agenda. This is so important. Who has no other agenda other than he is just for you. He just wants you to be better. He wants you to move from ordinary to extraordinary. He wants you to experience him in a powerful, powerful way. Seven minutes. 15 for 15. Seven minutes, you give thanks for who he is and what he's done. For eight minutes, just be still and listen, listen, listen. Oh, did I tell you, you should be by yourself. 
You should be alone. You should find a place where that is. I don't know. Maybe it's a closet for you. Maybe it's just where they don't know where you're at. Nobody knows where you're at. Where did they go? I don't know. And then you're just in a closet. If that's what it is, go. Somewhere where they slip away because the power source of your strength is when you and I slip away and pray. And when you pray and I pray regularly, you will eventually do it naturally. When you pray regularly, you will eventually do it naturally. That's how it works. So 15 for 15, who's in? God sees your hand. Even if you did one of these. God saw it. He saw it. I hope, I hope you do it. Because when you start to do it regularly, eventually it's just gonna become natural. And it was for Jesus. Oftentimes they would go, where's Jesus? Oh, he's probably in the wilderness praying. Oh, he's probably in the desert praying. Oh, he's probably, he was, that's what he did. And that was the power source. You and I need a power source. And it's prayer. That's what it is. Let's pray. God, thanks for the time. Thanks for each one. Lord, so good to see so many uh, faces here today. And um, God, I'm just encouraged by that. And Lord, just asking for um, your just continual blessing. Lord, for you to just continue to meet the needs, Lord, is so grateful. We're so grateful that we can come to you as our perfect heavenly father with no other agendas, no manipulations, other than you're just for us. You just want the best for us. And that we just want to declare that you are holy. Holy is your name. And we just thank you. We just thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. And God, we also want to take our prayer time off, alone, secluded, as we slip away for 15 minutes. And we just want to listen. We want to sit and listen to what you have to say to each one of us. Thank you for being our Father. I thank you for being holy. And your name is above any other name. It's in your Son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.